Lord tonight. Lord, we talk about a topic tonight that is not um, it's not hard from your word, but it's hard for us to believe day by day. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you would speak these words into the hearts of all these students who are here tonight. Um, I pray that you'd speak them into our leaders' hearts. I pray that you'd speak them into my heart. Lord, that I am already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine. And that's enough. Lord, speak that to us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if, I think I know almost everyone in here. If you, if you don't know, I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine. Um, I also happen to be Garrison and Justin's dad. Um, and, what'd you say? Uh, and, it, and it's nice. I, I really enjoy coming down here. I tell you all this every time I do this. I probably do it once a, roughly once a semester. Um, it's a lot of fun to, to be here with you. Uh, and so, it's a privilege to, to always for us to go to God's work. But as we go to that, for, and just I want to ask you a, a question, and then we'll get to the question of the night. First question I want to ask you is, um, what are some of the things that cause hurt or suffering in our lives? And I actually want y'all to throw some answers out. Okay, sin, yes, absolutely. But but yeah, what are some other things? Loss of a loved one. Okay, loss of a loved one. What else? What part? <laughs> School, all of it. Okay, uh, give me some parts of that. Yeah. What is that? Bad situations. Yep. Okay. Idols. Yep. Idols. Okay. Give me another example. What part of school causes hurt or suffering? The homework. The homework, okay. Maybe, maybe so. Sometimes the people, what do you mean, Riley? I mean, gossip and drama. Okay, gossip and drama. Have any of you ever had gossip or drama in your life? Yes. Okay, I'm raising my hand. I'm only, I'm only raising one because I have a Bible and the other one I can't raise it. All right? Yeah, we've had, you know, you've had that in your life. What about, um, Amy, were you going to say something? Okay, what about... Um, Rejection of others. You know, other people rejecting us. Let me grab that. Uh, what about friends betraying us? Bullying. Breakups. Fears of what might happen in this life. That, that can actually, just, just the fear of that can cause hurt and suffering, right? Just the fear of what could happen. Um, what about our own failures? Sicknesses? Fear of, of our parents getting divorced. Parents being harsh with us. Alright? The list can go on and on. We can sit here all, and we can probably just spend the rest of the time tonight talking about things that cause hurt and suffering in our lives. Alright? And all those things are, um, are, are true and they're things that you experience and I know that. 
I know it because all the, all the adults in this room would tell you we've experienced those things too, or, or versions of those things. Right? Now, most of you know that what we say around here and is, is this stuff happens, in Case said it a minute ago, this stuff happens because there's brokenness in the world, and that brokenness comes from, say it again, Case? Sin. Sin, right? <laughs> All right, the brokenness comes from sin. Sin entered the world. And that is why we experience grief, sadness, pain, suffering. That's why we hurt. Right, if I'm just I'm going to use that word hurt to sum all that other stuff up. That's why we hurt. That's why other people hurt. And at the same time, though, this is where it gets tricky because at the same time, the Bible teaches us that God is in control, that God is in charge, that He is full of power and love. Yet there's still suffering in this world. And so when we see we we hear that about God, we we even believe that in our heads about God, right? But then we see all these other things going on. We're like, how does that work together? Is God really compassionate? Does God really care when we hurt? And so that's our question tonight: Does God care when we hurt? If it's true that God is sovereign and in control. If, it, if it's true that God is in charge, then does God care when we hurt? And here's the thing. Our, our world, right, our, our world, sometimes our own personal logic, just the way we think, would have us to believe that if God is in charge, then, then evidently he is cold and distant and doesn't care about the hurt we go through. People even try to suggest sometimes that they believe Y'all can see if you've heard anything like this, but if not, you will eventually. That they try to separate Jesus that we see in the Bible from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You'll even hear them saying, well, the God of the New Testament is not the same as the God of the Old Testament. Or There's all sorts of reasons to explain it because you see Jesus in Scripture, right? In the Bible, does Jesus seem pretty caring? Yeah, very compassionate. And so they think, well, if Jesus is caring, God the Father is different. But I want to take a minute to tell you tonight that when we see Jesus walking on the earth, Jesus came to the earth, right? He's God the Son. When we see Jesus in the way, His character, as He's walking on the earth, that is nothing in Jesus' character is different from God's character. Or said differently, everything we see in Jesus' character is true about God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. All right, because, and this, I'm not going to go any further with this tonight other than to say because they are three persons in one God. They are not different. They cannot be different. That is not possible. Okay, y'all with me? So far. Okay, that's important because we can't separate that. So that tells us if we want to know does God care when we hurt, then we need to look at God's word and see the character of Jesus. And see what Jesus has showed us. Now, I could have gone to a bunch of other places in Scripture that talk about when it just uses Yahweh, God the Father as a whole. But I, I want to zone in on, this, uh, on Jesus himself because that is a clear depiction in, a, in, in Jesus in his earthly, his human form. It, it shows us this, okay? So, with that said, when we ask the question, does God care when we hurt? I want to look at a few stories of Jesus in the Bible to answer that question. All right. First of all, turn to Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 34. And I'm going to do it this way because I'm, um, I'm going to ask someone else. I'm going to everybody turn there. Then I'm going to ask um, 
Nathan, would you be willing to go to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 41? I'm going to have you read that out loud in a minute. Um, and then I need one more reader. One more? One more. Amy, will you go to um, Luke chapter 7 and you'll read 11 through 13 in a moment? Yeah. Uh, the Matthew, ver- verses chap- or Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 34. Of Matthew? I'll, I'll tell them, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Matthew 20, 30 through 34, Mark 1, 40 through 41, and then Luke 7, 11 through 13. I hope I wrote down the Mark passage right. I don't think I did. But we'll see in a minute. I'm looking real quick. I did. We're okay. All right. Um, Matthew 20, 30 through 34. Um, I do. I actually need somebody to read that as well. May read it out loud. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, good. Matthew. Yeah. Yep. So you got two blind men, everybody around there, they're saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Everybody around them is, are, are, everybody around them is rebuking them. And it says Jesus had what? Compassion. Jesus sees the situation, the blindness, the, the brokenness. That's, no one was, no one pre-sin was born with blindness, right? Um, it's due to brokenness. And so Jesus, Jesus sees that he has compassion. Uh, Mark chapter 1. Go ahead, Nathan. The leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. With pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and, and said to him, I will speak me. Okay, and so what was the word there that's like compassion? Pity. Pity, right? Jesus, Jesus saw the situation. He had pity. He had compassion on him. All right, why? There's a disease. There's, there's the leprosy. He sees the disease. He sees the result of brokenness. And it says he has compassion on him. All right, Luke chapter 7. In, the, in all these cases, the word for pity, the word for compassion in, in the Greek is, um, it, hang on, let me get it, splenchnidzo. Okay, y'all got it? Really fast, splenchnidzo. Okay, I don't care if you remember that word or not, but I want you to remember what it means. All right, here's what it means. It means pity or compassion, but it's deeper than that. All right, when we think of pity or compassion, you know, like a lot of times when we use that word, it's like, oh, I have pity, you know, or... Yeah, I have compassion. But number one, the Greek word is deeper than that. The Greek word is, 
is a depth of feeling in which in which the feelings and longings churn within you. Like it's this it's this feeling that you, you can't you can't shake it because you have so much compassion on a situation. I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. Have you ever had that type, like that, just this deep churning and concern for someone? Compassion for someone. It's hard for us to fully grasp. Now, that's the Greek word. I think all of you probably experienced that at some point a little bit. But it's probably deeper than most of us have really experienced. And then you apply that to Jesus. Right? Jesus understood this more than we can. Because his compassion for hurting people is deeper than we're capable of feeling. Why is that? Why would I say Jesus' compassion is deeper than we're capable of feeling? Anybody any thoughts? His compassion is deeper who knows the brokenness of the world better than anyone? Huh? Jesus, right? It wasn't a trick question. Um, Jesus knows the brokenness of the world. Jesus knows our brokenness better than we know our own brokenness. And so Jesus' compassion is deeper than any compassion we can feel for someone else. Outside of him laying compassion on our hearts, right? So when I say that, I want to go to one more story. And because what I want to do is explain more deeply Jesus' compassion. In John chapter 11, everybody turn there with me for a minute. And I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to tell you part of it so that we can move a little quicker. Uh, John chapter 11. And in the first three verses, first four verses, it says this. I will read this. It says, are you you all there? Sorry. I'm kind of jumping fast. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Uh, Yeah, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. All right, so Mary and Martha, y'all kind of remember them a little bit. They're the ones Jesus came to the house. Martha was busy serving. Mary's over there um, with Jesus listening. And then later we see Mary um, washing his his feet um, with her hair, anointing him. Um, and so they send to Jesus. Jesus doesn't go immediately. I'll tell you that more about that in a minute. No, Jesus just says, oh, this, this is a sickness that doesn't lead to death, but to the glory of God, so that the Son of Man might be glorified. Now, what do you think everybody around him was thinking at that moment? Jesus had been healing people. Everybody knew Jesus was healing people. So what do you think? What were you going to say? They, they think at that moment, everybody around thinks, well, Jesus is going to heal Lazarus. Either Lazarus is going to get better or Jesus is going to heal. Right? That's what they're thinking. And so then it tells us in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister 
and Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So he went running to go heal him. Nope, that's not what it says. If you look at verse 5, what does it say? So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Does that make any sense? It says he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Yep, stop and think about that a minute. Like, okay, you're, you're sitting around and someone, someone comes to you and they say, your best friend is dying. And you have the ability to go stop him from dying. Would you go? Yeah, absolutely. Your family member, the person you're closest to, they're dying. You would go. And so when we see something like this, we're like, well, what is Jesus doing here? What is going on? And what I'm going to show you real quick is that what Jesus is doing here is having even more compassion on Lazarus. And then, as a result, on all of us, than he could have had if he went immediately and healed him. After Jesus said that, or after it tells us so, he stayed two more days, we know from verse 17, he eventually goes, right? And we know from verse 17, with travel time and everything included, that by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead for seven days. Or for four days, excuse me. For four days. And, and that was long enough. And here the, the, the text gives us great detail there. That was long enough that we know in a minute from verse 39 that they didn't want to move the stone to the entrance of the tomb where Lazarus was laid because he would have already started stinking. That's what it says. It says the odor would be bad. My paraphrase is it would, be, it would stink. Right? Why do you give us that detail, by the way? Just a side note. They give us that detail in Scripture because when other people claim that this stuff was made up, it's like, no, uh uh-uh. It was long enough that the guy was already stinking. He was dead. He wasn't mostly dead. I don't know if you've ever seen The Princess Bride. He wasn't mostly dead. (laughs) He was dead dead. Okay? We should watch The Princess Bride sometime, Andrew. Um, I'll come for that, I promise. Um, so then Martha comes, and Jesus gets there, Martha comes, Lazarus is dead, dead. Martha comes, um, she's upset. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus is like, yeah, you're still not getting the point. That you, you want Lazarus really bad, you want Lazarus back, I understand, because this hurts. But in compassion, he says, but, but what you need is me. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. But what you need is me. She says, okay, I believe you. Not fully getting it yet. She, still, she goes back to Mary. Right? And she tells Mary, Mary comes to see Jesus. If you'd have been here, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. Says the same thing. And then those that were with Mary now pick up in verse 28. Chapter 11, verse 28. Sorry, I can't change my pages. Chapter 11, verse 28, it says... Ah, I went too far. You know, let's just pick up in verse 32. Okay, chapter 11, verse 32. It says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And then verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. 
He was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. When Jesus saw Mary and those who had come with her weeping, it says he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And then it says Jesus wept. Does God care when we hurt? What does it say Jesus did? He wept. When we see Jesus' character, we're seeing God's character. Jesus wept. Why do you think Jesus wept? I think he wept because he cared deeply about everything he saw in front of him. Let me explain what he saw. You see, Jesus wept in the fury of the brokenness in this world that he saw in the death of Lazarus. When Jesus saw the death of Lazarus, When Jesus saw the hurt it calls those in this world. He knew it fully. Because he was perfect. And yet he lived in the midst of the brokenness. He knew it as a human and he knew it as God. And he was angry and it was righteous anger. Righteous anger means it wasn't sinful. It was righteous anger. And that's what it's showing us in verse 33 where it said he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. He was so angry that, that he wept in sympathy and compassion for the people. Verse 37, some of the people got it. You remember, you see what they said there? Some of them got it. It said, um, see how he loved them. But others said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? They still didn't get it. Right? They thought Jesus just didn't care. But isn't that kind of what we often do? We just look at the circumstance and think, well, if God really loved me, he would have fixed that circumstance. If God really loved me, he would have fixed it. Because we're so focused on wanting God to fix that immediate situation that's hurting us, we miss that he fixed something. He's already fixed something much bigger. And that's much better for us. Let me me explain what I mean. In verse 39, it says that those people who didn't believe him 
who were kind of complaining, why didn't he just show up? It said it, it deeply moved him again. And Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did. And here's what that points to. Here's what it shows us. You see, Jesus doing this with Lazarus is not a one-time example of compassion, right? Is this compassionate? Absolutely. But it's not a one-time example of compassion. Jesus let Lazarus die. So he stayed where he was for two days after he found out he was sick. Jesus let Lazarus die because he had compassion. And this story that I share tonight is a turning point. It's a turning point in, in Scripture, really. Because he let Lazarus die so that he could raise him from the dead. He let Lazarus die so that he could demonstrate that he had power over sin and death, over the brokenness of the world. He let Lazarus die so that he could demonstrate that he had power over the one who brought sin and brokenness into the world. Who was that? The devil, Satan, the evil one, right? He let Lazarus die so that people could, would see that his compassion was not a one-time thing. He let Lazarus die so that people would see that his compassion in raising Lazarus from the dead pointed to the fact, and it becomes more clear later, that he was going to show the greatest compassion of all when he died and rose again from the dead. But it goes on because he let Lazarus die so that we, that's y'all, that's me, so that we could see that, we, we could learn to live and believe that because of what he's done, that no matter what we're experiencing, he always cares when we hurt. He doesn't always fix the hurt. But he's always there when we hurt. We were singing songs about that earlier. And oftentimes when I'm singing songs, I'm like, I'm not like, whoo, I'm singing this because I believe it today. I'm singing it saying, Lord, help me believe this today. I know it's true. Help me believe. You see, some of us think that, I'll say probably all of us, think that we have to understand it to be able to believe it or that we have to understand it for it to be true. And so it leaves us asking questions like, why are we facing this hurt? And here's what I want to tell you. The answer should not be, I'm facing this hurt because. How many times have you heard someone say, I know this is for a reason and one day I'll understand what that reason is. I've said it as a pastor. Here's what I'm coming to understand. We might not ever know what the reason is and it doesn't matter. You see, the point is this. God understands. And this story shows us that he hates the brokenness and sin in this world. 
And he has compassion on his people who are hurting. And so what he did in his life, death, and resurrection was say that no matter how hard you are hurting, no matter how hard you say to me, God, I don't trust you. I want to, but I don't trust you. You can't push me away. The answer instead that we should give to one another is not because. When we say why, the answer is always God is still here. God is still here when it doesn't feel like it. When it feels like everything around you is crumbling. God is still here. He understands. He experienced the physical pain and it's all those things in, in the person of Jesus. And He defeated the power of sin and the power of the one that causes brokenness and chaos in this world. He defeated the chaos it brings into our hearts, the chaos it brings into our relationships. All those things that cause hurt because of brokenness, He defeated that. And he is, we are going to see a day in the new heavens and the new earth when all that's gone. And the down payment of that is he's still here with you every day. So what does that mean for you tomorrow? Right? Or tonight when you go home and, and the things that are bothering you that are causing hurt are creeping in your mind. What does that, what, what does that do to help you? If you struggle to believe this, that we're talking about tonight, that God always cares. If you struggle to believe that. By the way, all of us struggle to believe that at times. Pastor John and I were talking about that a couple weeks ago. That, whoo, in this case, it's hard to believe that. We know it's true, but it's hard to believe that. If you struggle to believe this, here, here's what I want to encourage you to do. You can go to God and say, Lord, I still don't believe you care about this circumstance. You might feel that way walking out tonight with something you're facing. And you can go to him and say, Lord, I still don't believe you care. Or I struggle to believe you care. You can say that to him. You're not going to push him away. If, if you want to believe that he cares, you know why you want to believe that he cares? Because he's already working in you. He's already working in you. And so I want to encourage you to say those things to him when you're dealing with those things. Learn to talk to Him in those things. And, and ask Him to help you believe that He cares. If you do believe it, some of you are sitting here tonight and like, I don't even know what you're talking about because I'm good. <laughs> I believe it. Then this is to help you understand and learn how to demonstrate care and compassion to others. You notice what Jesus didn't do in any of this? He didn't sit down and give a whole big explanation to Mary and Martha about how he was still compassionate, even though, etc. Right? No, he listened to them. He loved them. He had compassion on them. When other people around you are hurting, do y'all know you can do that for each other? You can actually listen to each other without having to give the answer to fix it? Because most of us, some of us don't want to listen because we're like, I don't know the answer to fix it. Okay, the answer is, I'm here because Jesus is here. And I want to be a friend to you and I want to listen. 
And then the final thing is for all of us, what do you do with this? You pray that you know God's compassion, that you, you begin to believe that, and pray that you'll have that compassion for others. For one another in this room, and then for those around us. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for each one of these students. I thank you, um, Lord, that you brought them here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we would really believe, Lord, that you care. You care about all those things that are going on in our lives, even when it seems you're far off. And Lord, I pray for each one of them. Lord, I pray that whether they're willing to ask for it or not, that you would break into their lives and that you would show them again and again and again that you are still there and that you still care. But it's our deep desire for each one of them. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much. All right. Uh